Welcome to History Class After Hours. I'm Joseph Bear, and joining me today is Wes, who will be telling us a little bit about the famous pirate Blackbeard. Blackbeard. Arg. Arg. Another Arg. pirate story. Yes. Who doesn't like good pirate stories? We need more pirate stories. Yes. Yes. All right. So tell me a little bit about Blackbeard. Today, we'll talk about Blackbeard, probably the best known pirate to ever sell the seven seas, even though technically it's like two, but. To, to do some research for this, I looked up fun facts about Blackbeard, and number one was he is a famous pirate. I don't it's, really know if that's see, a fun fact, but it's, it's he, a very most people fact. know who Blackbeard is. It's exciting. <laughs> so Blackbeard, or Edward Peach, started his career in piracy privateering in the War of Spanish Succession, operating out of Jamaica and distinguishing himself for uncommon boldness and courage. After the war, Peach, out of a job, after the Treaty of Utrecht, moved to an island of New moved to the island of New Providence, an uninhabited island with a harbor that easily accommodated smaller ships, but did not allow for the larger ones of the Royal Navy. Around 1716, he joined the crew of Captain Benjamin Hornigold. At some point that year, Hornigold put Teach in charge of a sloop that they had taken as a prize. The next year, 1717, they set out, capturing a bounty of over 120 barrels of flour and 100 barrels of wine. A great start to his Pirating efforts. Flower, huh? Flower. It's it's worth. It's a commodity. It's better than nothing. I just, I just can't see pirates like seizing a ship and like we got flour. They can make Maybe the wine. They're probably the wine. very happy about oh, yeah. the wine. There, there was a, but the flour, just like. There's a whole thing about how they got drunk on that wine. I don't think I, they. I, I don't guarantee think they, sold they any did of it. get drunk on that wine. But did they make bread out of the flour? Probably not. They probably sold it. <laughs> Okay. Maybe they got a buried treasure of flour somewhere. <laughs> Imagine that poor person who's looking for Blackbeard's treasure. And it digs up a digs flour. up a barrel of flour. Two hundred year old flour. <laughs> uh, during his time in Hornigold's flotilla, the first reports of Blackbeard were made by anti-piracy patrols regarding his operating of a sloop with six guns and seventy men. In September of 1717, he took control of Steed Bonnet's Revenge, making a flotilla of three ships. There's two Hornigolds and Blackbeards. So then Steed Bonnet joined them, and it was, they made three. Yeah, so they got a little fleet going now, huh? Yeah. 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 And the same, and by the October of the same year, they had captured a fourth vessel to add to their fleet. Hornigold's reluctance to attack British vessels led to his demotion and retirement with an acceptance of the king's pardon, something he was constantly offering. You could get king's pardons like candy bars. Really? Yeah. He was like, we just don't want to mess with you anymore. Here's pardon. Stop it. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, Promoting Blackbeard to command of the fleet. By the end of 1717, he had ransacked two to three more ships, one of which was the slave ship called La Concorde, which was converted into his infamous ship, the Queen Anne's Revenge, equipping her with 40 guns. It's a lot of guns for back then. That is a lot of guns. Like, I can't imagine the crew you would need. Let's see, you need five to six guys per gun. So, if you want everyone manned, that would be. You're making two, me do math again. 200? Is, sure, we'll go with that. I think it's four times five is 20. 
They just add an extra zero because it's a fifth. It's it's four, 40 guns. You're doing that voodoo number stuff right now that just doesn't work. So I, I I'll th- go with your number. 200. I think it's like 200 right. for the guns. <laughs> and then you need like another hundred to do all the cells. Okay. Maybe, maybe they they multitask. I think it was a crew of 300. I think okay. that's how he's described. Okay. That's a big crew. Big crew. It was around this time where Blackbeard reached the height of his notoriety, described by those who saw him as a tall, spare man with a very black beard that he wore very long. I can just envision him now based off those yeah. descriptions. are very, very detailed. It was a Dutch man. Uh, okay. <laughs> and less flattering images of such a figure that imagination cannot form an idea of fury from hell to look more frightful. Blackbeard was well aware of the power of his appearance and wore dark clothing with a sling over his shoulders, a brace of three pistols hanging in holsters like bandoliers, and stuck lighted slow matches under his hat. So he'd be smoking? Well, so the slow (laughs) matches are what they stick in the tops of cannons, Mm -hmm. and they burn really slow. So he just got really long ones, and they stuck from under his hat, so he had this, like, burning, constant burning around the edge of his head. Did he ever catch on fire himself? Uh, not. There's no accounts of him catching on fire. Okay. I'm going 50-50. Yeah, that's probably 50-50 chance. Though, he had the bandolier part. Like, that, that, that's got to be cool. Three pistols. It'd be intimidating. It would be very intimidating. Especially um, knowing that how pistols fired back then. It would take you about a minute to reload them. And then... It, it helps with um, the expediting the process. Yes. Uh, he used his fearsome appearance to imiti- intimidate and frighten enemy crews, which by all accounts worked. Despite his aggressive disposition, there is it is worth noting there is no accounts of him harming or killing those he held captive. Okay. So, like, he was a big scary guy, but he didn't hurt anybody. He just kind of used it so people wouldn't fight him. Yeah. So they would see him come and be like, okay, boat's yours. It's branding. Yeah, okay. Uh, Blackbeard was famous for many things. One of such act was... His blockade of Charlestown. I don't know when they changed the name. Because is Charleston now? They got rid of the W in space. Didn't they do that with... I feel like that's got to have happened sometime between now and the... Or then and the, the American Civil War. Because it was Charleston in the Civil War, right? Yes. Yeah. So they dropped the W for some reason. Yep. I know they they dropped the R too in the way they pronounce it, so it's Charleston. Charleston. Because um, phonetically, for some reason, R's became unfashionable in English, especially in England, amongst the uh, aristocracy, and so cities that had direct contact with England started dropping the R sound in the way they spoke. So that's why New York is New York. Yeah, I mean Charleston. Charleston. So those is East like- Coast cities. Yep. Or uh, Norfolk isn't. It's Norfolk. Yep. That's where it comes from. The more you know. So he did that in the May of 1718, reportedly for the fact that him and his entire crew had syphilis. That, that'd be an issue. That would be a, that'd be a big issue. That'd be a big issue. That would also help explain maybe some crazy patterns later on. Yeah. <laughs> so he stopped and ransacked nine vessels who tried to pass their position at the edge of the harbor that, uh, so it sits in the, like this circular harbor, and they sat at the edge, and they were like, yeah, you can't get past. And they basically um, looted nine ships. And they just kept on trying, huh? Yep. 
<laughs> I mean, he had a he had a armada of like five ships by that point. Okay. <laughs> it was he, he had genius. Yeah. See the first boat go. Eh. We got this. We, we got See this. the second boat go. Eh. They just didn't know what they were doing. Third boat. Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. <laughs> Fool me nine times. Fool me nine shame, times. Shame, shame, shame on me. <laughs> yes. Yep. Uh, he, they even took a ship's crew hostage and sent them some of them back to the colonial government of South Carolina to bargain for the medicines that he, he wanted. Uh, he wanted to exchange prisoners for that and the obvious removal of the blockade. Because- yeah. Uh, it took a week of failed negations, uh, mainly due to the ineptitude of, of the men he sent. They they found them all drunk in a, a what do you call a place where prostitutes live? Brothel? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And those uh, were his negotiators? Yep, yeah, those were his negotiators. They didn't do it. They <laughs> they got lost. Um, and then and the guy and the the guy in charge of it, he came back and he was like, um, "Hey, uh, can I have more time?" And, and then a week passed, and he and Blackbeard finally went into town and was like, uh, "What are you guys doing?" And he and he and he presented the um, the governor with his bargains with his bargain, and the governor was like, "Oh yeah, please." <laughs> so that's that's how that's how that was wrapped up. Like I said, just governors don't want to deal with pirates if you give them a way out i feel like they're just like yes and i think the governor of south carolina he like really loved pirates like it was like he was he was like one of those like fanboys <laughs> you wouldn't guess who came and <laughs> ransacked my city today blackbeard <laughs> it's awesome exactly um so teach soon after sought a pardon because you know it was getting hairy being the biggest pirate in mm-hmm. in the americas um, and he, he, he got it and lapsed for a short while back into privateering. He, he got a, a little thing from the King saying he could rob the Spanish and French. That's what's funny about the golden age of piracy is that basically they were just backed by governments. Oh yeah. They're like, here's a letter. You are now officially basically like serving us. Go ransack their ships. Yeah. Um, Some of them are knighted. Oh Yeah. Like um, um, Sir Francis Drake, was yeah, a, pirate? He a pirate, and like the Spanish were like, "What are you doing? This guy is robbing us of millions, and you knight him." And they're like, "Ha ha, yeah. we like him." It's like um, uh, the the oh, I lost my train of thought there. Uh, I don't know where I was going. Oh, okay, happens to me all the time. So uh, his he was privateering with a sloop called the Adventure. Okay. He must, uh, what happened with Queen Anne's Revenge? Oh, is... so the Queen Anne's Revenge uh, after Charleston, they were sort of on the on the lamb from the Royal Navy, mm-hmm. and um, they were gonna they were trying to get it on a sandbar to scrape off barnacles because they were lazy, <laughs> and um, <laughs> it beached along with another boat, and I think the main reason he accepted the king's pardon is because he lost the Queen Anne's Revenge because they couldn't get it off the sandbar. And he lost another sloop, so his, his armada was down two ships. So, so, so he's the ultimate level of laziness there. Like, 
Just to scrape them up. Typically, on the boats don't like going on sandbars because they get stuck. Yeah. So, because his men don't want to scrape off the barnacles, we're just going to scrape. Oh, okay. They just recently, I think they found it a couple years oh, yeah. ago. They're like um, 90s, I want to say. They've got it in like a, a warehouse, and they just have all the pieces in these in these pieces of water, like buckets of water. And um, they are slowly like documenting it all, but they have to keep it in the water so it doesn't decompose. They found some cannons, I believe. Oh, have you seen all the cannons they found in a uh, savannah? Mm-mm. Uh, they're dredging the the Savannah Harbor, and they're finding all these cannons from shunk British ships. Really? Yeah. Have to go to that museum again. Uh, <laughs> though this did not last long, as he returned to piracy by the end of the year. This is still 1770. <laughs> can't can't keep a pirate down. Once a pirate, always a pirate. Yeah. And he had uh, wild parties with Charles Vane and other large pirates of the time at Ocracoke Inlet. So North Carolina. Yes. Okay. You know why Ocracoke is famous? No, why is Ocracoke famous? Ocracoke Island, the dialect of English they speak, is most similar to what was spoken by the original colonists. That's fun. Because it's been so isolated from the rest of the country that, like, the dialect never changed. So if you want a little taste of the 1600s, go to Ocracoke. That'd be fun. It's quickly disappearing, though, so you got to go fast. We should uh, get the USS Constitution and be pirates. Yes. Uh, His downfall came at the expense of one Alexander Spotswood, the governor of Virginia, found a former quartermaster of the Queen Andrew Band out of business for uh, obvious reasons. Because her bow is stuck on a sandbar, okay. Yeah. Uh, who knew a Blackbeard's whereabouts. He uh, then petitioned the Lords of Trade to convince the Crown that an expedition to capture or kill Blackbeard would end in profit, as he believed Blackbeard was hoarding a large amount of treasure. But he probably just had three pounds of flour and a bunch of bottles an air of corn. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Spotswood sent men from the HMS Pearl and the HMS Lime to find and capture the pirate lord. They didn't. They didn't take the HMS Pearl and the HMS Lime. They took two smaller boats, and they named them like um, I did. I didn't write both of them down. One or, of them was like Jane. They they named them after their wives or something. Okay, so One it's like, not like Pearl. It was Junior. like Jane and Mary. But they were the crews of the HMS Lime and the HMS Pearl. Is there a reason why they want to take smaller ships? Uh, Faster? Probably, probably because um, I don't know if Ocracoke Inlet can take like that, that the harbor. Okay. Yeah, I don't know if it can take bigger boats. Um, so Lieutenant Robert Manyard was in charge of the expedition, and he took men from each ship and searched Bath, North Carolina, for any side of his Blackbeard or his men. They, um, they said... The people in town said, yeah, we, we haven't seen Blackbeard, but he's supposed to come in any day now. Um, so Manyard found the pirates anchored at, on the inner side of Ocracoke Inlet and was not seen by Blackbeard due to the fact he was entertaining guests on board and had set no lookout. Because, you know, hubris. Um, Manyard waited until morning to attack and was met with fire from the adventure and when his two ships got close, Blackbeard had turned, had angled his boat so he could um, broadside them. So he decimated a third of Manyard's forces with a single broadside, knocking out one of the sloops that Manyard brought. Um, fire in between the ships hit the adventure's gib, jib line. Is it jib or gib? I think it's jib. Jib. 
jib line and it ran aground with the loss of control um you know associated with the losing of your jib line <laughs> um when, so when Manyard brought his ship alongside Blackbeard's, uh, the pirates were like, "Hey, look, there's nobody on that boat because he because Manyard had hid all of his men underneath okay. on, on below decks, like ready to pop out if when Blackbeard hopped on." Um, and so Blackbeard and his men hopped onto the onto um, uh, Manyard's sloop and uh, had and he so Manyard was standing up at the top and and uh, and. Blackbeard was like, oh, this is going to be easy. So after Blackbeard and his men swung on deck and made to attack Manyard, the rest of the crew attacked from below decks, overwhelming Blackbeard and his crew, pushing them towards the bow, which is the uh, front of the boat. Uh, where Manyard and Blackbeard, so, so at the bow, Manyard and Blackbeard exchanged blows with their swords, Blackbeard snapping Manyard's sword in two, and, Manyard stepped, and when Manyard stepped back to take a shot at Blackbeard, his pistol, um, he lunged forward, but was slashed across the neck by one of Manyard's men and badly wounded, while failing to fell, fend off several other blows and truly going out in a blaze of glory. His crew surrendered after they saw the downfall of their larger-than-life captain. He fell after being shot five times and slashed nearly 20. That'd take it down. That would? Yep. Just a little bit of blood loss. Yes. It's merely a flesh wound. Yes. Um, so his head was posted at the entrance to Chesapeake Bay as a warning to pirates, later being made into a silver-plated goblet by a collector. Does it still exist today? Uh, it's reportedly in the Peabody um, something museum in Massachusetts. How'd I get to Massachusetts? Uh, private collector. Okay. That's odd. Yeah. People, uh, people back then, it amazes me how odd they are and like what they... Like, didn't someone buy... Um, like, oh, what was the guy's name? Uh, famous Native American. Uh, Pontiac. Pontiac. Like, they bought his hands. Oh, I think so, yeah. And they, like, paraded him around and, like, brought him to, like, oh, I think they, carnivals. They're like, here's a dollar. Look at Pontiac's hands. Yeah. Or who was who the kings whose heart they ate? Oh. Uh, Louis. Louis. It was Louis Fourteenth. Some guy like bought his heart and like ate it for dinner. He's like, oh, <laughs> so weird. <laughs> People like doing weird stuff. Like uh, somebody bought uh, stole Beethoven's fingers at his funeral. Why? I, I just don't understand. Like, okay. And Einstein's brain was stolen by the um, morgue. Okay. Oh, yep. It's, it's, it's quite fun. There's weird. There's a whole bunch of weirdness. <laughs> <laughs> So today he lives on in popular culture, featured prominently in the fourth Pirates of the Caribbean film uh, on Stranger Tides, I believe. Never seen it. Well, Blackbeard's uh, the villain. Okay. It's pretty good Blackbeard. Um, and in the game Assassin's Creed Black Flag, he was a pirate who truly left an imprint on society and made a lot of money in the process and will continue to live on for, in fantasy for years to come. I've been Wesley. This is. Been... That's the story of Blackbeard, huh? Yeah. Arg, most famous Arg. pirate ever. Arg. Arg. I think Disney needs to put him in the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. Oh yeah, he totally should be in the Pirates. With this, with the smoke. Oh yeah. That'd be quite the quite the look. That would be amazing. All right. Well, thank you for listening, and uh, join us next week as we talk about the Berlin Wall. Ooh. Fascinating.
Thank you for tuning in to History Class After Hours, the show where we talk about the things your history teachers didn't have time to teach you. If you wanted to stay updated on upcoming events for the History Club, please visit www.starsmillhistoryc.wixsite.com forward slash 2020. If you liked this episode, please share it with your friends and subscribe to our channel on iTunes Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening. Be on the lookout for new episodes, and we'll be posting every week. Until next time, stay curious.